Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that polar bears have fast metabolism. A new study just came out where they found that polar bears in Alaska have a metabolic rate 1.6 times greater than they thought. With bodies that burn energy that fast, polar bears need to eat a blubbery adult ringed seal or 19 baby seals every 10 to 12 days just to maintain their weight. And this is kind of cool because they put video cameras on their polar bears and figured out their metabolic rates just going about their lives in spring and found that female polar bears need to eat a little bit more than 12,000 calories a day just to stay even. And they found that female polar bears walking around on the ice have extreme weight swings, some losing 10% of their body mass in just over a week. And this is the first study that puts firm numbers on the basic needs of these polar bears who are interesting because polar bears are the most fat-burning ketogenic animals on the planet. And when we look at what happens in those extreme conditions, we can learn more about what happens in our own bodies when we're going into fat-burning mode. And these animals have lives tied to the annual shrinkage of Arctic sea ice And since they live on fat, we're learning a few things, but we're also finding out that since they have to swim more and they have to go further distances to hunt now with a metabolic rate that high, there are disadvantages. For instance, sometimes they can't eat enough and we're losing some polar bears because of that. So we're learning more about fat burning from some of the best and toughest fat burners on the planet. Before we get into today's show, what if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. If you haven't heard about Bulletproof Cacao Butter, you're in for a treat. This is basically the fat, the precious fat that's in chocolate. What's interesting about chocolate or cacao butter is that the fat melts at exactly the temperature of your body. That means that when you blend it into your bulletproof coffee, when you use it in a recipe, when you use it in a dessert, 
it has just this perfect amazingness that it's hard to explain. If you put a little bit in your Bulletproof coffee along with butter, brain octane oil, what happens is that the final notes are the subtle chocolate hint that isn't like a mocha. It's just a hint. And it tastes amazing, it feels amazing, and it's awesome. And of course, it's lab tested and from a special processed chocolate like you'd expect from Bulletproof. Go to Bulletproof.com to find the cacao butter. Try it in recipes, try it in desserts, and try it in your Bulletproof coffee. It's awesome. Today's guest on the show is Dr. Kate Cass, a functional medicine physician in Seattle, Washington. And she treats a bunch of different things, including sexual health and function, regenerative medicine, and looks at men's and women's hormones. And the reason that we are talking today is that I'm in her office to try a new treatment called Gainswave. And Gainswave is, well, it uses sonic sound waves or sonic pulsed waves on the male penis, as opposed to the female penis. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, anyway, to, uh, uh, to increase blood flow and to increase the growth of new nerves and to increase nitric oxide signaling and things like that. So we're going to talk about things you can do as a man to either treat erectile dysfunction or stop it from happening in the first place. Dr. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. All right. Dr. Cass, what made you go into hormones and erectile dysfunction and sort of sexual health? What, what got you into this in the first place? I originally got into functional medicine uh, when I was uh, really in my 20s. I thought I was going to go to a traditional medical school, um, but I was struggling with a lot of my own health issues. Um, I had severe fatigue, anemia. I'd lost my period. I had all this sort of strange constellation of symptoms that were going on, and um, no one could really figure out what was going on, honestly. I went to probably four or five doctors uh, by the time I was 25 and, uh, you know, really just got birth control thrown at me. And I was actually put on a bone density medication because my bone density was too low at that point. Eventually, a functional medicine doctor figured out that I um, had what they believe is an autoimmune gut condition, most likely celiac. And um, I fixed my gut. And sure enough, a lot of these symptoms resolved, which probably isn't a surprise to you. But uh, at that time, that was a big surprise to me. So this transformed your perspective on how you could you could go about your career and saying, well, if it worked for me, because you were clearly suffering, I've had autoimmune, I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and even had arthritis and since I was 14 in my knees. So when you're, you've dealt with that stuff and you realize, oh, this can be reversed, and you realize, wait, the doctors didn't help me on this stuff, it does inspire you to go in a different direction. And that's really kind of what got you here. Yeah. So what did you study to learn about how you know, the, the penis works and how hormones work and all that <laughs> stuff? Like, like, how do you go about transitioning or how do you go about focusing a medical career on that? Well, I was licensed as a primary care doctor. I went to a um, more integrative medical school, uh, but licensed as a primary care doctor. And I, I knew the hormone system, the endocrine system really fascinated me. And so I spent uh, a lot of my time and extracurriculars and outside of medical school, I really sought out mentors that focused in this area. Um, and, you know, sexual function obviously goes along with that, particularly for men and women post 40 with hormone decline comes sexual dysfunction. So uh, it was an easy adjunctive tool for my practice. So this is the first podcast I've ever done with, uh, with someone who's actually uh, seen my junk. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of odd. Does that, does that make you nervous? Uh, not me. I think <laughs> <laughs> I treat a lot of male and female patients for sexual dysfunction. So, you know, in the medical industry, it's just a body part for us. Uh, my wife's a doctor, too. And yeah. it's funny. There's nothing that bothers doctors because you're like, I've seen a lot of those. <laughs> uh, and the reason that Dr. Cass has uh, seen my penis 
is that uh, she just treated me with Gainswave, uh, one of the technologies that she focuses on here in our clinic. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but literally, we're recording this right after uh, she ran the whole treatment on me. And we'll, we'll get into those details. But I want to understand more about uh, sort of why erectile dysfunction is such a problem uh, for men. And and guys listening, I don't have erectile dysfunction. hasn't been a problem for me. I'm 45 uh, and I'm, I'm functioning better cognitively and physically than I have like, ever in my life, which is awesome. This anti-aging stuff seems to work. But I also know a lot of guys who are 60 or, heck, 80 uh, who have issues with it and who have reversed it. And I also have a huge number of friends who are already you know, popping Viagra and pills like that, which may have a place in, in your life if that's the only thing that works. But I believe that there's functional ways. And in this case, this is a really cool biohacking technology that uses sound waves to change what's going on inside your body. This is really about taking control of your biology. So, so let's kind of talk about erectile dysfunction because I, I know a lot of guys are thinking about that and aren't really just publicly talking about it. So why do we have an epidemic of erectile dysfunction? Well, gosh, that's a can of worms, but I actually want to address something you just mentioned earlier. You said you're 45 and you don't have erectile dysfunction, which is great, but actually 40% of men in their 40s have erectile dysfunction, and 50% of men in their 50s have erectile dysfunction. So probably all of the healthy things that you do and exercise and the regenerative tools that you've that you've utilized have prevented you from having any issues in that department, but you're not the average American. And then also, I thought this was a really interesting statistic, and I actually don't fully understand how they gathered this statistic, but they said 80% of men ED go under undiagnosed. And that's because either the patient feels uncomfortable and or the doctor feels uncomfortable talking about it. So that's a huge percentage of men with ED that don't A, don't talk about it or B, don't even get treated for it properly. All right. You reminded me of a story and I don't think I've talked about this. It's tough because we've had like 500 episodes now. So if, if you're like a diehard fan and you've heard all 500, I'm repeating myself. I apologize. But I got to ask you about this because you might know the answer. This is going back to my, my mid-20s. I decided I'm 300 pounds. I have to lose this weight. It's the most important thing in my life. I'm going to work out an hour and a half a day, six days a week. I'm going to cut my calories. I'm going to go on a low-fat diet. And like All of my energy will go into this. And sadly, it didn't work. After a year and a half, I was still 300 pounds. I could just max out all the machines at the gym. But what I found is that when I maxed out the abdominal crunch machine with whatever it was, 170 pounds or something, I was sitting on the machine or laying on my back doing these crunches. And of course there's a line waiting for the machine and you know, an attractive woman as, as the case may be. And I'm doing the crunches and all of a sudden I'm like, that crunch feels really odd. And I like full on had an orgasm. Like fortunately I think I hit it pretty well, but I was like, like <laughs> sort of like twitching on the machine for a second there. All right. This is embarrassing to talk about, but whatever. Uh, and so I went to the doctor. I was like, oh my God, like something's wrong with me. Like, like this shouldn't happen. And just like you're saying, the doctor was kind of like embarrassed and he's like, um, um, and I'm like, I, do I have like a prostate infection? Like is something wrong with me? Cause I don't think crunches are supposed to do that. And he, he you tell he was, he was genuinely embarrassed. And I'm like, I thought you went to medical school. Like I should be able to talk about those with my doctor. Right. Uh, and then he finally said, well, uh, I, I don't, I've never heard of this. I don't have anything to say. And this was pre-internet. So we couldn't Google it. Like we would today. And finally, I, I just looked at him and I said, well, I, I guess it means I'm going to have really good abs. And, and he, just, <laughs> he just started laughing and was like, all right, you're good to go. And I just remember walking out of the appointment going, like, why is there embarrassment about this? And 
also what the heck just happened? And I found out years later, in fact, now I remember I posted on Facebook about it. Uh, someone, this isn't that uncommon of a thing. It actually happens more in women than in men. But apparently if you like clench your stomach muscles enough, weird things like that can happen. And I just realized, okay, maybe I'll back off on the abs a little bit. Uh, why, why would this be an area of embarrassment for doctors who are like trained to like look at poop and like, like, like you guys do all sorts of weird stuff? I don't know. I don't think we're really taught to address these issues. And, you know, unless it's something that's like a real pathology, maybe doctors just feel uncomfortable. I don't think they know. It's a very personal for people. People are, it's uncomfortable with the conversation about sex. It's sort of a taboo topic. I don't know, but it actually is a disservice to the patient. So if a guy wanted to go into a doctor with erectile dysfunction and like, what, what should he say? Um, well, I would say make sure you go to, you know, a doctor who is well equipped to treat you. You know, I guess I have a biased opinion on this, but find a functional medicine doctor. But, you know, go to someone who has good bedside manner, a good someone that you really resonate with, I think is probably the most important piece. If a doctor doesn't have good bedside manner and can't talk to you comfortably about an upper respiratory infection, then he's probably not going to be able to talk to you about erectile dysfunction comfortably. And how would someone know that they're about to get erectile dysfunction? Like what are the early, the early symptoms that mean you should go to your doctor, go to a functional medicine doctor and start taking steps before you start taking pills? There may be a few signs that you might be creeping into that category, maybe less frequent nocturnal or morning erections potentially. I do get a lot of patients that are even in their 30s and 40s, young 40s that say, you know, I don't officially have erectile dysfunction. I just notice that my quality of my erections aren't as good or I don't maintain erections quite as well. Sometimes that prompts men, especially men that are sort of biohacker guys like you that are really interested in performance and improving uh, function and getting ahead of things. So, you know, quality erection might decline or maybe less less frequent morning and nocturnal erections. That'd be an early sign. I think some of these regenerative treatments, which I'm sure we'll get into later, um, can really be beneficial to anyone kind of in their 40s um, or even late 30s, potentially, just for helping to get in front of or prevent vascular decline in the penis. All right. So erectile dysfunction is an early marker for vascular function. So if you're eating the right foods, you're getting enough exercise, enough sleep and things like that, if you're not getting erections, it's a pretty good sign that there may be something else going on in just the vascular system. doesn't mean you have plaque. doesn't mean you have a heart attack. It just means that like your endothelial layer might not be doing what it could be doing. What can people do in order to keep, uh, keep things flowing, so to speak, uh, in order to avoid this problem happening in the first place? They're really, this is sort of the foundational stuff that I think needs to be addressed for men, all men, uh, especially men that might be worried about erectile dysfunction. You need to address you know, testosterone levels that uh, is foundational uh, and not always necessarily appropriate for everyone, but it needs to be looked at. Cardiovascular health, if your cardiovascular health is not good, you're not going to have good erectile function. Your thyroid could be out of whack. That's definitely going to cause erectile dysfunction, maybe a more common cause for men in their 30s. Diabetes or even elevated blood sugar can cause damage to the vasculature, as you know. So these are common things that I think even get overlooked by your primary care doctor. Uh, high, high blood pressure, hypertension, that's going to cause erectile dysfunction. Anything that negatively impacts your cardiovascular system, all of those things need to be addressed. And look for any low-hanging fruit uh, before getting into anything fancy or even taking a blue pill. All right. And what should we eat if we don't want erectile dysfunction? Well, I think this gets into the topic of 
endocrine disruptors and hormone disruptors um, or even inflammation. So uh, a lot of the foods with pesticides and chemicals in them are going to, of course, impact our endocrine system, so our hormone system. So that is never going to do you any favors in the hormone or in the uh, erectile function category. Any food that's anti-inflammatory, doesn't cause inflammation, that's going to improve uh, improve erectile function too. It's going to reduce inflammation, improve vascular function. So that's a no-brainer. I think some of those basic health, healthy lifestyle choices like eating clean, eating foods that are uh, low glycemic that are going to give you good blood sugar control and be healthy for your vessels in that way, avoiding pesticides and chemicals and things that disrupt your endocrine system, those are all going to be helpful for your erectile function. What about ketosis? Good for erections, bad for erections? I think it could only help your erectile function because, again, it's that's such a great way to tightly regulate your blood sugar, which is only healthy for your vessels in the, at the end of the day, right? So tight blood sugar regulation equals healthy blood vessels, low blood sugar. Beautiful. I, I definitely have that experience. All right. Let's talk about Gaines Wave because I first heard about this a while back. Because I run an anti-aging nonprofit group, I hang out with people sometimes uh, twice my age now. And I, I think I think learning from my elders is incredibly powerful. And a lot of the people I've interviewed on the show have, you know, decades more experience than I do, which is is a fantastic way to just have a shortcut to knowing more. And they're definitely interested in this kind of stuff. And, and so they say, hey, have you, have you heard about this? They're using these sound waves and like very high intensity sound waves to cause these changes in the body. So tell me what is Gaines wave? Like, how does it work? Gaines wave is in the medical literature called shockwave therapy. Um, it's been around for a long time and it has tons of mountains of data on it, really over 50, 50 plus studies on it that support it for erectile function. The technology was originally sort of taken from uh, a technology called lithotripsy, which is what they use to break up kidney stones. Gaines wave is far less potent than or shockwave therapy is far less potent or powerful than lithotripsy, um, but it's a similar similar process. And it's used, uh, it's used in Europe. It's approved by their version of the FDA for erectile dysfunction there. And shockwave therapy uh, really works in three ways. Uh, it helps improve nitric oxide production through increasing nitric oxide synthase. It increases new blood vessel formation called angiogenesis, and it also is neuroregenerative, so it helps uh, form new nerve tissue, which is sometimes a sensitivity issue for men. Um, And then actually maybe additionally, it also breaks up little micro plaques in the vessels. So between all four of those those actions, it actually can be quite effective at treating erectile dysfunction. What about the opposite problem? If you add nerve tissue, I haven't thought of this, so I just had it done. But if you add nerve tissue, is it going to give you premature ejaculation? Uh, that's a great question. Not that I've ever heard of. I've had patients that are complaining of PE come in for Gaines Wave, and most of them report that they have improved performance afterward. It hasn't necessarily made that worse for them. Okay, so it's basically a, a, a sonic workout for the penis that's going to take yeah. premature ejaculators and possibly uh, make that less of a problem. Uh, and then certainly people who are having a hard time getting erections, Yeah. how many treatments does it take to do this? Um, the literature shows that we're trying to reach this threshold of 24,000 pulses. So in layman's terms, we need about six treatments to get there. Okay, about six treatments. Maybe if you're lazy like me, maybe we can squeeze it into four treatments. That's right, yeah. Okay. And what does a typical treatment cost? I would say on average they're about $500 per treatment. Okay, so this isn't particularly cheap. So you're looking at no. you know, two or $3,000 in order to get it done. Compared to the cost and the risks of taking pharmaceuticals, though, it might not be a bad move. Are there systemic effects from doing this? Like if you change nitric oxide locally in the penis, is it going to like 
cause other changes that are good in my endothelial layer? Not systemically necessarily. It's really sort of in the localized treated tissue. But Gaines Wave is actually being used, or Shockwave therapy is actually being used in Japan and Asia to treat um, cardiovascular dysfunction. So treating the coronary arteries, which I think is really fascinating. So it, it can be applied to other types of tissue, but you don't necessarily get a systemic effect from it. That's a that's fascinating. I've long wondered why when people have calcified arteries, we don't just go in and break up the calcium. You can do things with agents that absorb calcium, but if you were to break it up and absorb calcium, it just seems like that might be better than cutting it open and adding new parts. So you're kind of hopeful that might work? Potentially, yeah. Okay. We'll see. Like I said, Japan and China are using it for you know, atherosclerosis, so hopefully that uh, we'll see what comes from that. Well, if that was a problem that I had or I think had any risk of having, I would absolutely be hopping on a plane in order to try that before open heart surgery because I've, I've had family members who've, who've had that problem. And I mean, open heart surgery is a big deal. Even just oh. going in with placing stents, it, it's it's not something you want to go through. It should be a last resort. So maybe shockwave therapy applies to more than just the Phoenix. Absolutely. Nice non-invasive treatment. I mean, not to mention other functional medicine approaches to prevent cardiovascular disease in the first place. You treated me. Uh, this was definitely one of those be your own guinea pig, professional biohacker sort of things. Because I probably wouldn't have come in. Uh, for a treatment if I wasn't a biohacker just because I'm like, things are working pretty well. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see what the what the results will be from this. Uh, this is my second treatment now that we're doing uh, in the office. And uh, the first time, I definitely noticed some changes for a couple days afterwards, but it usually takes a couple of these in order to see like really strong effects. Uh, but it, you could definitely tell like, all right, so, something's different here. And if you're a longtime listener, you know, I've also had like stem cells injected in my penis and uh, pretty much I've had them injected everywhere else in my body I can think of as well. The idea here is if you're going to live to 180, you want everything in your body to be as young as possible for as long as possible. And I don't want to be, you know, a young, healthy looking 150 year old with an old 150 year old penis, just to be perfectly honest, because I like to be still using it when I'm 150 uh, because, you know, sexual health is one of those three most important things that we deal with. You look at how you're wired from your mitochondria on up in your system. There's these three things that you have to do. And this is part of Headstrong, the book, if you've read it. And number one is you got to run away from a kill or hide from scary things because they'll kill you right now. So your body's optimized to do that without permission and without your permission anyway. The second thing that your body is wired to do is to eat everything because starvation will kill you in a month. The third thing that your body will do is it'll make sure that you reproduce because if you don't reproduce, the species dies out in one generation. So our order of operations for most important things are those three things. And if you're not able to do those three things, your body gets stressed and you basically start to die. And that's why having a healthy sex life is important for you, uh, whether or not you have erectile dysfunction or anything else. We've got to take care of this because as we live way longer than we needed to live to have kids and to allow them to grow up you know, old enough to reproduce themselves, our job from an evolutionary perspective is just to get out of the way. And part of the anti-aging story behind doing Gaines Wave and coming in here to see Dr. Kate is that I'm planning to break those rules and completely do it entirely. And that means I've got to make sure that those three mitochondrial biological needs are, are fully met for the length and duration of my entire life. That's a different perspective. And it's one I'd encourage you as a listener 
to, to take in. It's like, look, you're going to need to manage those three things forever. And if you manage them effectively, it lowers your stress. When stress goes down, happiness goes up, happiness goes up. You perform better at everything you do as a human being. Now, I just said that that's the question at the end of every episode that I've ever had is how do we do that? That's why I'm doing this. All right. I have more questions for you, Dr. Kate. Okay, shoot. Let's talk about the other side of keeping erections up, up and <laughs> yes, I just said that. <laughs> that's not what I meant to say, uh, but oh well. Let's talk about the other side of keeping erectile dysfunction away or treating it. And this doesn't have to do with using Gaines Wave, which I think is a really potent, interesting new technology, but it's basic hormone replacement. The -hmm. reason I'm asking this, when I was 26, I had my hormone levels done. It's almost 20 years ago. And you couldn't do that as a young person back then. So Mm -hmm. I went to an anti-aging doctor and it's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, look, I have all the diseases of aging. Like, help me out here. You know, I'm I'm pre-diabetic, high risk for stroke and heart attack, and things are not working well. He took my hormone levels and he said, Dave, I got bad news. Your testosterone levels are lower than your mom's. So I had like very, very low testosterone because mm-hmm. I was obese and my body was just taking testosterone and dumping it into estrogen almost as soon as I would make it. Right. And so I've been on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy since I was 26, going on 20 years now. I went off it for a couple of years. I played with my levels. I can keep my testosterone up if I balance everything really, really carefully with mm-hmm. diet and sleep and everything else. But I actually perform better when I get physiological replacement doses of this. But I'm probably not normal because I was inflamed at autoimmune stuff and you know I was obese as a kid. All this weird stuff, toxic mold. But for people who aren't coming from behind like I am, mm-hmm. what is the role of hormone replacement or just getting testosterone up in order to keep erections functioning? Testosterone is really, you know, foundational for good erectile function. Not only does it affect libido, the drive or desire piece, but it also affects your physiological erectile function process. It's vasodilatory. It helps with blood flow to the penis. It helps with nitric oxide. So it's really foundational. If you don't have good testosterone, you may have erectile dysfunction. Now, I see men that come in all the time that might have low testosterone that still miraculously are having good erectile function, but I would say that's the exception, not the rule. So when someone comes in for Gaines Wave treatments with you, do you also pull a hormone panel and look at their testosterone? Yeah, absolutely. Every patient that comes in the door, we're doing a pretty comprehensive program with because you know we're trying to avoid just the one magic bullet for everything approach. So I tell patients there's really four pillars to treating erectile dysfunction. It's removing those underlying problems like hypertension, thyroid disease, diabetes, or even removing medications or trying to remove medications if possible that are going to get in the way of erectile function. I think that's something that probably is overlooked frequently is even things like antidepressants or blood pressure medications or statins can cause erectile dysfunction. So if possible, removing those items, removing any of those underlying chronic diseases that can contribute to erectile function. I do a full blood panel for men, a really comprehensive blood panel for men that looks at that in addition to testosterone, free testosterone, inflammatory markers, and you absolutely want to address those items. You know, the second pillar to treating erectile dysfunction is optimizing hormones, which I mentioned before. And then you have shockwave therapy or gains wave that falls into this regenerative category. So in addition to shockwave, I'll use PRP or the P-shot, um, platelet-rich plasma, which I'm sure you've talked about extensively on the pro- on the podcast. And just to define for people who haven't heard it before, platelet-rich pl- plasma is a procedure where you pull some blood out and you pull out a very thin layer of the blood plasma that's full of platelets and then you re-inject it in places where you need extra healing. 
And that surprisingly just like Gaines wave is angiogenic, meaning it forms new blood vessels. It's neurogenic. It helps with uh, formation of new nerve tissue. It's great for men who have had the prostates removed and have had damage to their nerve uh, or pedendal arteries or pedendal canal. So, and that also has a lot of literature behind it. So, like I said, removing underlying variables, treating testosterone deficiency if you have it, these regenerative treatments, and then there's the medication route, of course, too. Uh, and a lot of men have tried that or dabbled with Cialis or Viagra, and it can work. It sort of takes the spontaneity out of things, but it's a, it's a tool. I think what's cool about the regenerative treatments is that if you suddenly became resistant to Viagra or you're finding yourself needing bigger and bigger doses to Cialis or Viagra, or it stops working for you, which is fairly common, actually, these regenerative treatments can actually allow men to have those medications work again for them or have them work in lower doses. So a fair portion of men that come in say, I take Cialis, but it just isn't working well for me anymore. After these regenerative treatments like shockwave or gains wave treatment and or PRP, men are coming in and saying, ah, I actually, my Viagra works again or my Cialis works again, or I need a much lower dose, which is pretty uh, a win in my book. I've never tried any of those ED drugs. And I still have lots of friends who've at least tried them once. And it seems like there can be some side effects that just maybe aren't worth it. And also there's something called priapism uh, where you can get a heart on that doesn't go away and that can be medically bad. I'm like, I don't think I want to experience that. Uh, is that something that you find happens in patients? No, priapism is really uncommon. Uh, you have to take a good amount of Cialis or Viagra to have that happen. So that's not, not that common, but side effects to those medications, very common you know, congestion, stuffy nose, headache, backache. These are not desirable qualities and certainly don't put you in the mood if you're having those experiences every time you have to take Cialis or Viagra. It's like, yeah, no, I'm ready to go, but I have a cold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. sounds sexy to me. All right, I, I got that. Okay, so the point for, for you when you're listening here is that the strength of your erection is a huge indicator of how well you are doing from a functional medicine perspective. If the system in your body is working well enough for you to reproduce, then things are working. And if it's not working well enough for you to reproduce, that's a bad sign. Because remember, you're optimized to do those three things. Run away from stuff, eat stuff, and have sex with stuff. And the least important of those three is sex. So if the body is taking resources away from sex, that means that there's a problem. You don't have enough resources because now it's allocating them to keep you alive so you can run away from things and you can eat things. So you've got to really watch the strength of your erection as an indicator of the strength of your biology in general. And maybe this is a bit of a hack because if you go and you approach, well, the penis directly with Gaines wave, okay, fine. Maybe there's still some underlying problems, but an approach like this that looks at your hormones and looks at what's going on locally in blood flow and, and does restorative things. So you can be younger for much longer than maybe Mother Nature intended. I think there's, there's really, um, really good science behind that approach. One of the things you do that I'm also interested in is you do hormone pellet therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me what that is? That's a crowd pleaser around here. We have bioidentical um, pellets that we put in kind of the glute area, uh, hip area on men and women. Uh, and it's a nice what we call biorhythmic release of testosterone or hormones, estrogen for women and testosterone for women uh, and testosterone for men that slowly releases over three to four months, which can be a great tool, a nice, easy way to deliver hormone replacement. It's bioidentical. You don't have to worry with creams or injections. So men and women love the pellets. 
actually sort of bouncing back to something you said earlier about our need to reproduce, libido, desire, sexual function, it is a result of how much stress you have going on or how well you're taking care of your body. But a lot of these hormone replacement doctors or age management doctors would argue that we weren't really supposed to live this long, right? So uh, our hormones decline, start to decline really uh, in our late 30s, 40s, because our bodies weren't really meant to reproduce after that point. So I think doing proper and safe hormone replacement can be a great tool so that you can continue to function optimally. When I filled out the paperwork to get the procedure in your office here, a lot of the questions were, do you have emotional related erectile dysfunction? How do people know if they have emotional erectile dysfunction versus physiological erectile dysfunction? Great question. I think I get patients in their 30s coming in here complaining of erectile dysfunction. And I think culturally, the way people eat now and um, lack of exercise and stress, I think it's absolutely possible from a physiological standpoint for a man in his 30s to have erectile dysfunction. But I would say men that don't respond well to gains waiver or regenerative treatments are often men in that younger category where I think there's more of a psychological variable going on. You know, trauma, stress, if you've ever had problems performing in the past or had premature ejaculation, those play on you psychologically and, and it plays into performance too. So I think particularly for younger men or men that have a history of performance issues, those psychological variables need to be addressed. I actually even send patients to hypnotherapists for, for help with that. It's funny because we have that order of operations that rolls up from our mitochondria. And if you have a fear associated with erections mm -hmm. or with sex or whatever else, then your body is going to say, okay, shift all res resources to running away from scary things. So if sex is scary, you're not going to have enough basically biological energy going there because your body's like, oh, no, get ready to run, get ready to run instead of get ready to have sex. So in order to have sex effectively, you've got to feel safe and you need to be well enough fed because starving people and scared people generally aren't having sex. Uh, so we have that psychological loop that happens there. Right. So hypnotherapy works for that. Yeah, and reducing stress, right? But on the same token, if you're stressed all the time, and you're a CEO and you're, you know, constantly under the gun, you know, your erectile function is going to decline. I did an experiment a while back where I looked at the frequency of ejaculation in men. Uh, specifically, I, I tested Taoist equations for how frequently they think men should ejaculate in order to live a long time. And there's a whole equation. And, uh, this is part of a book I'm working on. And uh, there's, I think, a few podcasts about this going way back. But what I found then was doing things like heart rate variability exercises. We actually control your body's fight or flight response was a way that I could definitely make sure that I didn't ejaculate during sex when I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Because the deal with the Taoist approach is you can have sex a lot as a man, just don't ejaculate very frequently. And the Taoist approach for women was you should have lots of orgasms because orgasms cost men biologically, but for women, they actually are supportive. Like it's one of those fundamental differences between men and women. But I just found that's kind of a hard protocol to go down because you're like, <laughs> all right, how, how does one do that? So for me, heart rate variability training was a way to just like, okay, calm things down when I wanted to. But that same approach works for people who are really stressed about it. You clip a little sensor on your ear, like a heart math sensor. I've been an advisor to that company for almost 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And you, you do that and you, you know, breathe in, breathe out and sort of just 
get rid of that fear response. And then suddenly things start working when they wouldn't have worked before. Yeah, absolutely. Learning how to put your body into parasympathetic mode is going to be helpful. That's necessary in order for you to be able to relax and have good sexual function. And heart rate variability actually does have some studies around erectile dysfunction and performance. So for younger, for younger men or even men that think there may be a psychological variable involved, that's a great training or some sort of mindfulness practice at the very least. Just learning how to be in your body and remember or realize when you are not relaxed when your body is under stress, which, you know, amazingly, a lot of people sort of forget what that feels like. They don't know that they're constantly under stress. Do you have any other hacks for erectile dysfunction uh, practices, lifestyle practices, uh, strange dances we should do? I, I don't know. <laughs> give, give me the stuff that you wouldn't tell anyone. This isn't glamorous, but exercise. At the end of the day, if you're not exercising, your sexual performance could be better. Exercise is, you know, it improves your cardiovascular function, which is then going to improve your erectile function, period. I know you're a functional medicine doctor, not an exercise trainer sort of thing. Is there any flavor of exercise that you like more than another frequency, duration, intensity? Like what, what do you, what do you find works? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm always a fan of a high intensity interval training or HIIT training. I think from a hormone perspective, that's always a great idea. It is going to boost your testosterone for men and women and boost your growth hormone. If you're a long distance endurance athlete, they actually have done studies where long distance male runners had a decline in testosterone and a climb a decline in growth hormone transiently after marathons. So those long distance exercisers I often find have lower hormone levels. So HIIT training, um, even pelvic floor work, um, just strengthening muscles, bringing blood flow to your pelvic floor for men and women is a great tool. Since part of the gains wave treatment is applying large amounts of numbing cream to those areas, <laughs> you remind me of that. So I just tried to do a Kegel exercise uh, which is where you, you tighten uh, basically the muscles at the base of the penis and all that stuff. But I can't feel anything because it's still completely <laughs> numb. So I, I can't do a Kegel exercise right now, but you're reminding me to do that. And yeah. so for guys listening, you can Google how to do Kegel exercises. Male Kegel yeah, exercises, yeah. There right? are not women, just for women. There are women ones that are probably much more known. Yeah. But if you learn how to clench a few muscles down there and you just do that when you're at a stoplight or in a really boring meeting, no one will know you're doing it. In fact, I do it on Bulletproof Radio all the time. No, I don't. But like, like the, the deal is you just don't know. And if you build that as a habit, it actually does. It, it's like you know lifting weights. It, it's something that's valuable. All right, so we talked about exercise, high-intensity interval training. What about making mitochondria work better? I, I've noticed huge differences when I upregulate mitochondrial function. Any tricks there? Well, exercise is going to upregulate your mitochondrial function. I think targeted supplementation is going to help. Uh, antioxidants are going to prevent any kind of you know oxidative damage to the blood vessels, which just happens over time with age, right? So I think a lot of the supplementation you talk about is going to be helpful for vas overall vascular function. I often also will put men on a nitric oxide supplement or precursor supplement of some kind. I know everyone has their different opinions about which work the best. Beats and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think some supplements can be, you know, smart supplementation can be effective. So for improving mitochondrial function, I think any of your supplements, uh, Unfair Advantage, Keto Prime, even Brain Octane, all those are going to be helpful for not only improving mitochondrial function, reducing oxidative damage, um, but also blood sugar stability, which, uh, you know, at the end of the day is always going to help vascular function. Why is high blood pressure such a big deal? You think if you wanted to have a strong erection, you'd want to have high blood pressure, right? Yeah. Because, well, you need blood there. 
Yeah, well, high blood pressure over time is going to cause damage to the vasculature. It's going to cause rigid vessels that don't dilate properly. So that is not a good combination for erectile function. So you want high blood pressure in the penis for short periods of time, sort of like high-intensity interval training. You want want vasodilation in the penis, proper vasodilation in the penis, and nice blood flow into the penis so that those mechanisms within the penis can work properly. That is super cool. What other pieces of advice would you have uh, for people who are are saying, all right, I'm in my 20s, things are working great right now, and I just, I don't want to deal with this later in life. Like, what could they start doing right now uh, so they can just avoid ever ever having to come in and do gains wave or anything like that? So when, when they're 80 years old, like, well, I'm sure glad I did that in my 20s. Yeah, I think all of, I think read Headstrong, read, you know, do Bulletproof because honestly, keeping visceral belly fat off, keeping your blood sugar tightly regulated, um, improving your mitochondrial function, exercising, and, and also going back to the things we discussed before around stress, learning how to recognize stress in your body and manage stress better because all of those things are going to, if you do those things properly, they're going to lower oxidative damage to your body. They're going to keep your hormones healthy. They're going to keep your brain healthy. So you're going to have, you're going to be much better set up for good sexual function as you age and educate yourself and advocate for yourself and find a good doctor. That is great advice. Even if your main focus isn't having a penis that works long into old age, it's just good advice for performing well now. And yeah, uh, and that's why this is a really interesting biohacking topic because we're talking about a symptom of biological weakness mm-hmm. rather than a symptom of you're not being masculine or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And that's something I think we didn't touch upon, but I think the psychological impact in men uh, and women for that matter that have sexual dysfunction is huge, right? And that's why maybe there's so much shame around talking about it. But if men don't have good performance, uh, they don't have confidence, they may not perform as well at work, they don't show up in their relationship the same way. So, uh, and like you said, it's a symptom of a greater problem, a bigger disease. Dr. Kate, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being, uh, tell me your three most important pieces of advice just from your life. It doesn't have to be just from your medical practice, but what are the three things that matter most? Yeah, again, these aren't the glamorous things, but they work. And, you, and I know you can attest to this, but exercise, eat clean, really educate your, yourself on what eating clean is because there's a lot of misinformation out there about that. Uh, and sleep. So the, the, the big three, exercise, yeah, not glamorous. sleep, not glamorous at all. But they work. You're not going to tell me to like go on a meditation retreat in Cambodia somewhere? Because I was going to write that off if you could just tell me. I can write you a little note for that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> go to Hawaii more often. There we go. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I think having a tan helps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the tanner you are, the happier you are. Well, as someone who's you know, treated many, many patients at all different ages, and you, know, you could have said hormones or lab tests and all that stuff. You came down to those big things. None of those are expensive. Right. right? All of those are achievable. And I, I agree. Those are terribly important. So thank you for sharing that advice uh, with all of our listeners. And thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Where can people find out more about your clinic? Um, my website, uh, it's just drkatecass.com. My last name is K-A-S-S. Uh, we have all my info on there. Talk a lot about the treatments that we provide in functional medicine. So. Okay. And people want to hear more about Gainswave. It's at gainswave.com? Um, yeah, there's also Gainswave information on my website, too. Okay. Uh, awesome. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Dave. If you enjoyed this episode, do yourself a favor. Go out there and exercise, eat, and sleep, because those are good for you. And after you're done with those things, 
If you like this episode, go to bulletproof.com slash iTunes, and that'll take you right to the iTunes website where you can leave a review for this episode that says, hey, this was worth my time, and it's worth telling other people that it's good. I really appreciate it when you take the time to do that, and there's a side effect that you don't know about. When you express gratitude, it changes your neurochemistry. So by leaving a review like that, well, I certainly appreciate it and I'll feel gratitude, but by expressing it, you're actually helping your nervous system. It takes all of 10 seconds. And hey, we just recorded this whole episode for you. So thanks for taking the time to do that. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.